1: Beats, Sports Radio 94, WIP. Interesting music choice from uh, one Jack Fritz. John Barton in for Joe Gillio. of course, the uh, the brain trust of uh, all things Sixers in the room with us. Derek Bodner, Kyle Newbeck. Uh, gentlemen, it's been in, uh, an interesting uh, week here. Where past couple of days. I don't have days, any idea what
2: you're talking it, about.
3: That, that TJ McConnell <laughs> triple-double was really Phenomenal. Yeah,
1: Sixers have, uh, have won five in a row. The... The kind of the rush of the uh, Eagles Super Bowl, I think, is helping both winter sports right now. as uh, They haven't lost since, but um, uh, Kyle, you uh, wrote something for the Philly Voice that dropped the uh, the last couple of days here, kind of explaining exactly what happened in the last six months with Markel Fultz. What did you find out?
2: Well, so Derek and I have been dancing around this subject on these airwaves for months now and this is really the culmination of a lot of work and I guess what I would say is what the public didn't know was that when the Sixers were saying Markel Fultz was out indefinitely and that he's not doing anything he was still behind closed doors shooting jump shots and working like that's it never stopped and so number one that calls into question the the severity of any kind of health problems he was dealing with. Number two, the fact that they were, the, again, the Sixers are misleading you on some level. Then there are other things going on. He's doing virtual reality training, which is fairly unprecedented for a basketball player. You've seen it a little more in, in football yeah. and baseball, and, but, but not in basketball. So that's that tells you there's some that's a little bit unorthodox and they're trying some things because they are confused by this situation. They're trying to find a, a solution for a kid who they, I mean, they thought was going to be ready soon as of December. That's why you, if you look at their, their schedule of press releases, they very much expected him to, once we were hitting end of December, early January. And I, I reported several times. I said, that I think the Sixers believe he'll be back soon. I, I heard as, that Markell was as good as 90% of UW Markell at, at one point in December. And Which is very encouraging. Right. I mean, yeah. there was, so you hear something like that yeah. from somebody ar- around the team, and it's like, hey, great, that'd be awesome if he, he came out beginning of the year. They get that three or four months uh, before the playoffs, and he gets reintegrated, and good, they're off and running. Their core three guys, are they're here, they're back, they're together. but. That is not the case and Brian Colangelo goes out in that press conference Friday and says his range is within the paint. I think that's a very realistic way of putting it from what we see. And it's it's a it's a big mess. I mean there's people pointing fingers in all directions, inside and outside the organization. And then Derek today followed up with a story about the the origin of some of this.
1: Yeah, so so what did you then find out from that, Derek?
3: Well, the one thing kind of Kyle left a little bit up in the air was what happened over the summer. You know, Brian Clangelo has always said, you know, we don't know whether or not changing his jump shot caused a shoulder soreness or whether or not the shoulder soreness caused him to then change his jump shot. And he said that back in October, and it kind of threw a red flag because that feels like something you should know. And then he said that again last week after five months of having a chance. You know, it's, it's, we asked again, you know, what, what was the cause? And he said, well, we, we don't know whether or not changing the jump shot causes soreness or the soreness causes the changing jump shot and he started asking around uh, and, and the process has been going on for a long time and people who saw his workouts over the course of the summer dating back to the, before, before the draft dating back to the draft workouts you know say that there were uh, there were changes going on at that time changes that then continued over through you know August and early September as Mark Fultz Foltz and his, his personal trainer uh, wor- wor- worked to rework his jump shot and make pretty significant alterations. Now I will say, and, and I I have to say this: his personal trainer Keith Williams does deny uh, that these changes were made. He says they made they worked a little bit on shortening up the dip in his shot, the mm-hmm. the kind of the bottom where you kind of build a base of power from. Uh, he he did say they worked a little bit on that, but anything larger than that he denies. But anyone who was around those workouts, anyone who really talk, talked talked. To people that were in those workouts has come away saying that no, he, he made very deliberate changes over the summer.
1: Now, do we have an answer on why they tried to decide to rework his shot or him trying to rework his shot or like what went into the process of needing to do that or feeling the need? to do that. Does anybody know?
2: I I mean, I think some of that is just the, the common sense stuff you would think it's, he's preparing for a deeper three point line. He has actually alluded Markel himself has alluded to that in other media availability. He did during training camp. He said, one of the big things he's prepping for is to play as more of a catch and shoot guy. He knows he's playing off of Ben Simmons, off of Joel Embiid, off of JJ Reddick. Even, I mean, he's coming off screens. He's doing different things he was preparing for that deeper three-point line and to be more of a catch-and-shoot guy. And because of that, he wanted to have a, a quicker release, a tighter release, and tighten up the mechanics. So I, I, that is the it's the simplest explanation. A lot of times the simplest explanation is the reason. You well, know,
1: that makes sense, too. Like, yeah, if if you're going into that and you think you you need to have that much like J.J. Reddick has shown throughout his entire career to be that type of guy, I understand that, too. 888-729-9494, if you have... Questions for Kyle or Derek, we're certainly going to uh, get into a lot of those. I, I, and how do you guys feel, and I think a lot of people have asked this question, especially the past couple of, of weeks here. J.D. Reddick has made strong comments about, hey, like this kid is 19 years old. You guys need to back off, let him figure this stuff out, and just go with the flow of this. And I understand where he's coming from. And obviously with both of your articles on The Athletic and Philly Voice, I don't think you guys really were trying to dig in or make this kid look bad no. a- at all. Not you're just trying all. to display what's what's going on in in the fairest way possible. But does any of that kind of resonate with you guys when you're covering a team and you know this kid is 19 years old, enjoying the Chick fil A and trying to <laughs> trying to figure things out? Because there's a part of me that goes like, God, I, I, you know, like I don't. I, there are certain lines I, I certainly wouldn't want to cross if I found some stuff out or whatever, but. How does that, Derek? How does that make you feel when JJ Redick says those things?
3: I think, by and large, JJ is doing what JJ should be doing. You know, his role, his perspective is as a leader on that team, as a teammate, as a friend to Markel Fultz. He should be trying to shield him any way he really can. But Kyle and I have to have a different perspective as people who cover the team. Where we're, our job is basically to get information for the fans, and because of that, we have a different role than he does, and a different perspective than he does. And nothing is is personal. Uh, it almost can't be at that point. Once you you make it personal, either good or bad. And by the way, this is a team that I think, by and large, is filled with really good people. Like I don't, mm-hmm. there's no one on the team that I, I I think is necessarily a bad person. But once you let that, the fact that you say, "Oh well, he he's a 19 year old kid," at that point, you can't be an objective journalist. So we have to kind of separate. Look, he is a 19 year old kid. This has to be impossibly tough for him. Uh, this is something where, if I was going through it, you know. He kind of subtweeted. I don't know if you subtweeted Kyle or me or whatever article came out about don't believe everything you read. And I put myself in those shoes. If I was a nineteen year old kid, kid being dissected like this, I would probably have a much worse reaction. Than I was a I was a complete moron at nineteen. So I think he's handling it pretty pretty well. It is a tough situation, but by and large, I mean. By the same token, Kyle and I still have a job to do.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, certainly. I, yeah, I agree with Derek and that JJ is doing what any teammate should do here. Like they're going to circle the wagons and protect this kid, and they should. It's, those guys sweat next to each other every day. They're all they're trying to work towards a playoff push. Maybe win a playoff series this year to build for the future. Do all that. They they have to do that. But. We are here as the – we are trying to get to the bottom of things that the fans want to know and the, the questions that I get every single day. What's up with Markel when I'm not at a practice? Why are there no videos of Markel today? And I will say, and Derek didn't say this, but the, I have much more video on my phone of Markel that has never been tweeted. It's never been put in an article. It's never been used. And that's- Some of it's good. Some of it is very bad. And so like people think – Hey, you're just trying to make them look bad. If I wanted to make them look bad, I could post every video I have. And I I think by and large at this point, it would weigh towards the bad side just because look, we're, we're seeing a kid who's in the middle of a, a redevelopment of his jump shot. That it's an ugly process. And so it's Mm -hmm. going to look, if, if our interest was in making Markel Fultz look bad, number one, this story would have come out, these stories would have come out a long time ago. Number two, we will be doing a lot more in terms of actively trying to do that. What what I have done, what I know Derek has done, is get to the bottom of this story, get all the perspectives of everybody involved, and try to find out what people want to know. And that's all I'm here to do. And here's the other thing. His his general manager, the guy who should be looking to protect him, opened up
3: months of speculation and uncertainty oh, yes. When he said, "Well, we don't know. Maybe changing the jump shot did cause a shoulder pain." You can't open that up and expect people not to then go pursue the truth. So, you know, I think it's 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 like Kyle said. There's not you, you kind of have to balance it, but by and large, we we have to we have to try to get information on what is one of the stranger rookie seasons and one of the strangest developments I've seen in in my time covering the sport. Yeah,
1: I've I've never heard of anything like this, and, and from the people I talk to over there, they don't they've never seen this either. I mean, the general manager the the, the head coach have never really seen no. anything like this, too. But I agree, Derek. I mean, this is, if you say chicken or egg, people are going to go find okay. out if it was okay. chicken or yeah, egg. I
2: want to find out. What yeah. it, that there's a reason that's an age-old question. People would like to know the answer.
1: 888-729-9494. Derek Bodner uh, from The Athletic and, of course, Kyle Newbeck from The Philly Voice. We're ta- talking about Markel Fultz and the Sixers team where it sits right now. to start things <laughs> off with David in uh, Lower Marion. What's up, David?
4: Hey, guys, not much. Um, the false thing, I, I, the guy's not going to pan out. I mean, that's obvious.
2: I'm not I'm going, here, I'm not I, going I, there. I won't yeah, go there. I, yeah. I think that's pretty that's crazy little, to pretty say at sure. this
4: point. Yeah. Guys, please, I mean, we everyone heard you guys, and I appreciate I respect what you guys said, but just hear me out, please. Um, the guys, if everyone, you guys have seen the shot, I used to play basketball. The guy's a joke in terms of his shot right now, whether it's his injury or whether it's someone tampering with a shot, this has never, ever been uh, done in the NBA in terms of someone saying, oh, I'm going to change my shot all of a sudden. Now it's, uh, you know, I need to rework it. This is not pitching. It's not a different sport. This guy can't shoot the, you know, freaking ball. He's not going to pan out. He's done. He's absolutely done. One one, one, second, one second,
3: second, one second. second. When Steph Curry went from uh, junior high to high school, he completely overhauled his shot. He spent the entire summer in the paint trying to relearn form shooting because it was such a drastic change. Now, just because a guy can't shoot now and just because a guy lost the shooting motion now doesn't mean he can never reclaim it. This was a guy who was an elite shooter, a guy who can make shots in traffic over people. It's way too premature to say he can't get that back. up. talking
4: about one person out of thousands. No one reworked a shot in the NBA. This this okay. a guy Dude, that's
3: true. That's true that people don't rework it in the NBA. That is true. That was that was a mistake. It shouldn't have happened. That doesn't mean just because it happened later in life, he can't relearn it. Though he can't learn the new motion.
1: Hello. Yeah, we still got you, dude.
4: Guys, please.
1: I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if you're just gonna go, guys, please, yeah, I, but, I, 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 it's never gonna happen. He's gonna be bust. Like that's. That's part of it that I don't that you should never kind of dive back into.
2: Well, something being unprecedented or new that we haven't seen before doesn't mean it's not going to work or that you can't fix something. Just just because you you personally know less about something doesn't mean that you you can just assume there's the no outcome. Chances. Like there's yeah. no chance. There's a, you the anyone saying anything with certainty right now is a fool. I think I I could sit here and tell you. People have asked me for the last couple of days, "Do you think Mark Fultz is going to play this season?" If I told you I knew, I, by I, the way, I'd no, be, and he shouldn't. I, I don't think I don't think he will. But if I said I knew that with any certainty, I'd be an idiot. I mean, I I told people in December I think it'd be crazy if he doesn't play by January fifteenth. Well, now it's February thirteenth right now, and he's he looks even further from playing than he did. Two months ago.
3: Our, our predictions the last two years on Ben Simmons and uh, Markel Fultz's return <laughs> dates not, great, not
1: and, great. And this is what I do. And something happened, too, because I certainly remember Hell Fultz saying something, I've got a little surprise for you, Or there was like right before the he London game, a couple of times, there yeah. was like, hey, there's there's something that's going to happen. I, I I feel like there is a conversation that might have been uh, had there, but we'll keep the uh, the phone lines going. Uh, Anthony in New Jersey, you're on with the guys. What's up, bud?
5: Hey, how you guys doing, man? I'm I'm going to try to just kind of look at the the way Sam would have looked at this and the longest lens in the room. I mean, initially the, the decision to trade up with the Boston Celtics is the one that I have a problem with. I have no problem even with the selection of folks, even with how things have turned out today. I mean, I just think that Boston has such a guard-heavy team between whether it was Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, they weren't going to pick another guard because he wouldn't have played. They're kind of in that now with Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier and Kyrie. You know, they were going to draft a wing because they like non-traditional wings that could play the, the 2, 3, or 4, and the Gordon Hayward, the Jason Tatum. I think they would have took Tatum at 1, and I think the Lakers would have been probably just as enamored with LeVar Ball and Lazo and we could have had him at 3 and still had both our pick coming up, the Lakers pick, our pick coming up in 19, and the sack pick. So we could have four draft, four first-round picks in the next two drafts. My, my problem was with the decision to move up. And you don't need to hand Boston any more future assets when they were in holding the Nets picks forever.
3: Well, okay, so here's what I'll say. And At, at the time, I covered the draft for uh, an outlet called Draft Express, which has now been absorbed in ESPN. But the word on the street is that the Lakers really, really liked Fultz and there was no guarantee they were going to go Lonzo Ball at two. But there's also one other wild card in that equation, and that's if Boston really believes that Jason Tatum is the number one pick in the draft, the best player in the draft, they could have probably gotten him at five, probably gotten him at six. Like, he was not going top three. They could have traded down. Sacramento was real interested in using their two picks. I think it was five and ten, maybe. Yep, I'm going and in to... Yeah. Yep. And, and moving up, there's no guarantee somebody would have moved up to take Markel Fultz at one or two. And I will also say, in terms of Sam Hankey, longest view in the room, all that stuff, assets— they valued the number one pick in the draft exponentially more than even 3, 4, or 5. Like, you look at the history, there is a lot higher success rate in terms of dra- drafting a franchise player at those spots. Now, that also determines, I don't know how they would have rated Markel Fultz. We'll never know that. Sam Hanky will never, ever, ever tell any of us. But as a concept, I don't think trading up is something he wouldn't have done. I just don't know the details on the player evaluations.
2: And I also, like, there's a lot of revisionist history now about... The trade and Markel Fultz in general, because we see this Markel Fultz and not the one from Washington. I, I I believed, and I'm pretty sure Derek was with me, or at least close to where I I was on No, I was. We do a podcast. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) he was for me the consensus number one guy, and it it was like pretty clearly the number one guy. It wasn't like, hey, he's like barely above a couple guys where you don't make that kind of trade to get him. He was. Not only the consensus number one guy for me, he was also the perfect fit for the two core pieces that were already here. So the logic of the trade and the reason you go and get all that makes sense to me. It's everything that has happened since that doesn't make sense. Yeah, like me. no, if,
1: if we're talking about like an unprecedented thing that has never happened before in the NBA, you're looking at it. And I don't think anyone could have known that this was going to happen four months ago. There's, it's it's impossible uh, to kind and of he, have that feel. He
3: is right. Trading two likely top six picks is a huge risk. You have to be sure on the prospect, which is tough. But if there's ever a spot you're going to do that, it's the number one pick.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good risk to take. Uh, let's go to uh, Will and Penn Soccer. What's up, Will? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, listen. When I hear about Markel Fulton, when I see what's going on with him,
6: man, I got two words. Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. It's like the same situation, different sport, but Nelson crushed in college, was dominant receiver in college. We wanted to run him out of town and gave the guy a chance to get himself together, and he was pivotal to this uh, run that, we just, that we're all celebrating. Give Markel a chance. Let him figure it out. Man, my son is 20 years old, and I'm like, this kid is only 19. I can't imagine my son on
7: that stage you, you understand He's a kid. absolutely
2: yeah yeah well and i think we all agree here that my thing this whole time has been i hope markel gets the chance to figure this out and he doesn't get too unfairly thrown under the bus before it before it's time to i mean look if we get if we're if we reach next season and he still looks like he does right now we'll have to have a very different discussion but he has a lot of time in front of him to get this right and I think we all think he deserves the chance to.
3: I mean, if, if if Markel Fultz is going to be here, he's not going anywhere. He shouldn't go anywhere. And if he, if he just regains that jump shot, I am incredibly confident in the rest of his skill set. He will be a very, very good player. I just have no way right now of gauging whether he will.
1: Yeah, and I pre- we appreciate the call. Well, thanks for uh, hanging out. And that's one thing that I kind of want to get back into is just there, there is some blame, at least for me, on on this situation alone, uh, and and again, I think it steers towards the organization. I want to get your thoughts on that as well. As uh, it's Kyle Newbeck. it is Derek Bodner, it is the beat, and is right here on Sports Radio ninety
6: four
8: WIP. <laughs>
1: like oh, Fritzy's really got it tonight. Uh, John Barchard hanging out with Kyle Newbeck from the Philly Voice. And uh, Derek Butner from the Athletic, and uh, we
2: need a video of some like sad yeah, puppies. Just or to be something.
1: clear,
3: Kyle and I do not pick this audio. <laughs> yeah, just no, to be clear,
1: no, I, I have nothing to do it. Yeah, this is this is in the the arms of another angel behind the uh, the uh, the glass here. But, uh, uh, gentlemen, this is where I keep coming back to uh, with this in particular. I know it's really easy to blame the Sixers organization for the messaging, the back and forth here. How much ownership of this is is on them because I look at it and go, why is he out there if this is really happening? Why are you giving these guys an opportunity uh, to see his shot every day? To you know, maybe even have that pressure to get. Hey, man, we need you to kind of get out there. You're the first round pick, et cetera, et cetera. Not that I'm saying that's what's happening here, but uh, Derek, in your mind, how much how much responsibility is on the Sixers here for the messaging?
3: So I mean, there's two perspectives I come at. One is one is the reporter perspective, in which case the updates were not great. The other is in a, what I'll call the common sense perspective, and from the team perspective, if you're trying to protect the player, like I said, you don't cast out on what happened with the injury right from the jump. You don't say changing his shot might have caused the injury. You don't do that. Uh, the updates, you know, I think they're a little too optimistic in the December 9th update when they said the soreness was resolved and the imbalance was uh, was resolved, and I think they're too update in the early January. January 2nd, they said he had... Um, what was January 2nd? He was cleared. He was...
2: That, it, the, final the final stage final of his return-to-play yeah, yeah. program. And then
3: January 9th, he started playing five-on-five. Five, and at that point, they started putting him out there. And they obviously miscalculated how close he was, like Kyle said. And I think doing that really put him under a microscope, put up the pressure way more than really needed to be at that time.
1: So, Kyle, I turn to you with the same question.
2: Um, I mean... I, Look, he's their player, so ultimately they have to take sure. some of the responsibility here. I, it's hard to say because, again, as Derek explained at the top of the show, a lot of the problems happened away from them in terms of the, the mechanical fixing.
3: To their credit, this was an impossible situation, which there was no way to, is, right. to, yeah, to really estimate how long of a timeline. Exactly. Yeah, we, yeah.
2: Th- that part is very difficult. And the other thing you have to consider is even after they find this out— and they believe they know that Keith Williams and is working with Markel and there's a, a, a problem that stems from this. Even even if they believe that they can't go to the, I don't think they can go to Markel and say, you can't work with this guy anymore. I mean, no, he, he's, he's been with him his entire life. Right. I mean, he's a, a extended member of the family and he's been working with him for a long time. He's part of why he got to where he is. So the, the they can't be like big brother and, and control his life. That's not a, They can't follow him around and say, you can't go work out with whoever you want to work out with. They can express reservation and say, look, this is what we recommend you do. I, I mentioned in my story he worked out with Mahmoud Abdul-Ralph, and that was approved through the team. That's something that, that he does on the side when he can't work with their the, the members of their normal coaching staff. And that, I think, is something that's more reasonable than – look, he's like a cloak and dagger in some gym in Jersey <laughs> yes. and like doing stuff. Like, so I think they're, they're trying to wield some influence here. It's just a matter of, look, he's an, he is an adult. People want to call him a 19 year old and he is still a kid, but he is a professional athlete now and he has some level of autonomy and all this. And that comes with pros and cons.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, there's a, uh, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of questions still yet to answer and, Certainly want to get to your calls as well, 888-729-9494. Let's kick things off with Ross in D.C. What's up, Ross?
8: Hey, guys. Um, So first of all, I just wanted to thank you both. Um, In some respects, this is a thankless task. It's a difficult situation, but you both clearly have put a lot of effort in the last, well, for a long time. But we've seen the results of your efforts in the last two days in these stories. I have two questions for you about the fault situation. Um, The first one sort of stems from a theory I've seen online um, that was put forth by a physical therapist who deals with these circumstances somewhat regularly, obviously not as much in basketball as in other sports, but regardless of precisely when he, so this goes to question one, regardless of precisely when he started changing his shot, which I think you've done a good job of drawing the timeline into question and pointing out it might have been earlier than was previously believed, Um, if we were to take the doctor from Kyle, I think it was you who interviewed that doctor he saw down in Kentucky. Um, so if we were to take at face value that he did suffer from scapular muscle imbalance, I guess the question becomes how much do we think that would still be sort of interfering with his shot? And the reason I ask is from what I understand, there are sort of two components to the scapular muscle imbalance. There's the physical recovery of the scapula, such that there are no longer problems with it. In, you know, in terms of the balance of those and the ability to raise the shoulders in the right ratio. But the second part of it is there's a sort of cognitive response you would have, and while it's been somewhat cheaply been referred to as "yips" by others, false problem, it could be a much more simple explanation, which is your brain is trained to try to avoid pain, and if in the past pain has resulted from doing something, it can take a while, and the very point of physical therapy
1: can be so, Ross, uh, to just, get over just so that. I can break down your question because uh, again, it's a, it's a, there's a lot there. Are you basically just asking? chicken or egg there more or less right i mean is is the so, is it the shoulder that's created the problem or whatever
8: so it's less of a let me yeah let me cut to the chase on that and i'll get to the second question just
1: uh, real quick russ cuz we we have a lot to get yeah, to yeah
8: no for sure i hear you um, so part one to that would just be i guess the question is do we think scapular muscle imbalance accounts for the inability to change shot at this point? Because there was a difference between the right, shot and the summer league and college. We, we, let's, hold on, Ross. Let's stick with that because we got
1: we, we got to let him answer the question. So
2: is is no no that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a long way to get around. Look, there. okay. Look, Derek reported today, and I reported yesterday what we found. Derek said the shot mechanics changed. He hasn't been able to get them back. The shot mechanic change. Came before the whatever shoulder thing is present or was present, any of that. That is the reason that, to me, if you're asking for my opinion, my opinion, that's the problem. It's not any of the, the other stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't, and and that question's basically already been answered. Like, there's, look, look,
2: yeah, I wrote like (laughs) 5,000 words on this. I think I I gave my answer on this. I think Derek has his answer. Yeah, let's let's go to
1: Bill in Fishtown. What's up, Bill? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Uh, You know,
6: one of the things I I look at when, when I look at this situation, and it brings me back to the way the Sixers do business and the way they, ever since, you know the, the 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 Hinky years and how they shut guys down and, and they you know they they put a clamp on them for a year or so and, and you know the only one that was really warranted, is it probably was Embiid and that was because it was serious injuries, surgeries, things like that.
1: I mean Simmons um, did break his ankle. That's, that's right, semi warranted at least.
6: He probably could have came, came back. Yeah, character. I don't disagree. Um you know, as far as Folks goes, I've seen his workouts tape uh, pre-draft when the Sixers brought him in to work him out. And his shot was all then. You're not going to tell me that before they drafted him, that his shot wasn't goofy before that. Um, I don't know. I think they made a horrible mistake by drafting him, number one. I think they had their mind made up that they were going to draft him no matter what. And it didn't matter what happened, because the way the Sixers explain it was somebody got in and messed with his shot. From the time he was injured, from the time he got injured in summer league to the time uh, they figured all this out, which was maybe a two- or three-week period, your, your shot doesn't change that much in a two- three-week period. Well, Bill, but I I,
1: where, I guess I, I hear where he's coming there, but I don't Even, okay, you want to go by the workout video that he came in? In summer league, it didn't look like that. There was no droopiness to his shot.
3: It was out in front, farther in front of his, yeah. his face. So uh, there was a change there for sure. And I did, like I said, I talked to people who were at a privy to these workouts, and he did not shoot the ball great. Uh, and when we were there at the, the Philadelphia one, he did not shoot the ball at the time. I said, "Don't worry about it; these don't matter." Um, oops. Uh, what, I'll, <laughs> there what? may maybe a hint
2: there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What
3: I'll also say is addressing whether the Sixers want him to play, want him to sit out and have a redshirt year. They do not want him. Like there's, this is not what they wanted coming into the season at all. Like I definitely feel like they would have, like, they thought he was going to play and play well this year. And I don't think they're holding him out just to redshirt him. If
2: Markel Fultz showed up at the practice facility tomorrow morning and said to Brett Brown, I'm ready to go tonight, he would be in the lineup tomorrow night against Miami. No, kidding. A, he wouldn't start, but he would play. There's there. absolutely zero doubt in my mind that if Markel showed up and was ready to go. It's go time. The, the team wants him to play. The team needs his skill set and have needed it all year. There would be no hesitation on their part.
1: All right, let's go to Mike and uh, Malvern. What's up, Mike?
2: Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, the full thing, just let the guy
4: play, in my opinion. Let him play, you know, feel it out, see how it goes. The guy's obviously, you know, something's going on. I mean, Nobody don't, knows. Don't you
3: think huh? he's playing five on five in, in private? Like, don't you think they have an idea whether or not he can play?
4: Yes, but the guy is a first-round draft pick. You guys know what's going on with him. Let him play. What's the worst thing they can do?
1: Crushes well, what, confidence. Yeah. It, well, it's not confidence,
4: this, that. Obviously, we made a mistake drafting him. So move on. What Fly is him. it with that, Mike, Get him out of the on, league. What's I, the big
1: can, deal? Hold on, Mike. Can I ask why there's are so, well, maybe maybe it's just a general question. Why did the bus label happening so fast with this guy?
3: I, I mean, I get the it's frustration. just a situation. But – Yeah, it's a situation. I mean, anytime uh, uh, something this unprecedented happens, I, I get it in some regard. But their concern right now isn't to get him on the court. Their concern right now is to get his jump shot back. And they're going about it the way they think is best.
4: Understood. But let's face the facts. The guy has not been on the court. There's no injury. And you guys need to stop making excuses. The Sixers made a bad draft pick.
2: I'm not the one making any excuses. Well, lo- no, the- you guys
4: have, have <laughs> continued to make excuses, and they need to play him. He's not injured. You guys are talking about his psyche, his this, his that, comparing him to this one and that one. Put him on the court. See what happens. Let the chips fall where they may. Why do you guys, and the in the Sixers management, why are you
1: guys in cahoots? I would Like, to know that. I always- Mike, what the hell are you talking about? They, this is stuff that the Sixers yeah.
2: don't want out there. I was gonna say, you think the Sixers I'm, wanted yeah, making, us to report friends. these things the last couple of days? Like, this has been, <laughs> this is gonna be a fun time when we go to the games and the uh. practice facility. That the players who see that we reported all kinds of personal and private things about what Fultz is going, do you think that's gonna like anyone who thinks that this is just like some pr move is out of their mind yeah this
1: is the worst pr move ever yeah if, if I that's mean, the case. like what are we talking about here? and listen it might sound like i'm making excuses when it comes to this but like i just want to wait and see how this unprecedented thing uh kind of unfolds after the next year yeah maybe he is a bust i'm not saying that you don't or shouldn't have those concerns but like man we certainly jump he's on played that four so many games. times.
2: Four games. In the same
1: way that Embiid would never play again. He's not that good of a player anyway. he's never Simmons, coming Simmons, over. Et cetera, et cetera. That's what I'm just saying. Just, you unfortunately got to wait with this thing. Uh, more with these guys. It's Kyle Newbeck. It is Derek Bonner. I'm John Barchard. It's Sports Radio 94 WIP. Do you remember? 888-729-9494. We uh, wrap up the final segment of the Beat. Jody Mack coming in after that. I'm John Barter sitting in with Kyle Newbeck from the Philly Voice and of course, Derek Botner from the athletic. I uh, I don't know, I uh, completely disagree with their last caller on a bunch of things, but uh, I you know I, I think you I think you think about shutting him down for the year. I don't I, I mean, like I don't see that shot improving in the next couple of months and I certainly don't see it happening. On the court if you play him.
3: I mean, I think right now, and this is kind of just speculation, but I wonder if maybe you don't shut him down officially because it's kind of like a carrot yeah, for Markell. Sure, it's something exactly. for him to chase. And and, and not that he's not going to work hard anyway, but you have kind of like a little extra pep in your step when you have a chance to play. Uh, do I think he's going to play? No, I don't.
2: Yeah, I, I same, think that you know, I have the exact same. I think it's a light at the end of the tunnel for him. It's like, hey, all these jumpers, all the all the videos of me looking like he does going around, like, None of that will matter if I get to play. And if you take that away from them, that's only going to add to what's already a difficult situation.
1: All right, it's good to uh, Vinny in West Philly. What's up, Vinny?
6: Hey, yeah, what's going on? How y'all doing tonight? Good, Trent. man. Hey, I, I mean, I was kind of, I wanted to pick back up the last caller, but not as intensive as he did. I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> I thinking if ben, my thing is, I know you guys doing your job, right? If Ben Simmons can't shoot, right, and he and he on the basketball court. I, I see the film that y'all guys put out. He sees the move fluid inside the lane, can finish at the basket. He got to get his jump shot right. but Like you said, why can't he just play? So he, I heard you say, John, he, um, his confidence might be. Sad, but ain't nothing wrong with Ben Simmons' confidence.
1: He's also not a yeah, two-guard. So, but, Vinny,
2: yeah, think of it like this. So, Ben has known that his – jumper has never been his strength he's built his entire game around the fact that he can't shoot mark this is very much a new thing for Markel on top of yeah. the fact that he's six four and is a very good athlete but not an elite athlete versus Ben who is 6'10 and is very much an elite athlete for his size so there are different concerns that come there and it's also the newness and the shock of having to readjust for a, a critical piece right. of your game being gone, so there, it is a little bit different there. So,
6: so yeah. So, y'all, y'all basketball opinion. Y'all, you think um, Markel, if he can't get a shot back, you think he damn is good because he can't get a shot back from the paint?
3: I mean, if he can't shoot, then his fit with Simmons is going to be in, in huge question. Yeah. Uh, his skills that he has coming off of a pick and roll, because you don't have a defender on your hip, is not going to be quite as uh, as impactful, and it's going to be real hard to make a living. Certainly I mean NBA point guards who can't shoot are rare that are an are yeah. impact player. Ben's kind of bucking the mold. And oh by the way, Ben Simmons right now has better jump shot than Mark Hill and,
2: and he might look, not use man. it in
3: the game, but it's mm-hmm. in practice. He look, does. here's
2: the other thing, and we've talked about this with Ben to some degree too. It's one thing when you can't shoot. There are lots of guards like a Marcus Smart that that guy can't shoot even a little bit, but he will shoot and Teams might not respect him from there, but he's willing to do it, and he'll live with the consequences. If you, are, if you have a player who, who can't shoot but also won't shoot, and teams know that, they will just stack the paint. And the problem with that for the Sixers is they can already do that with Ben Simmons. Right. And that really complicates things, mostly for Joel Embiid. He needs to have that space to operate down there. So if you keep adding guys onto the court that are making life difficult for Joel, it's the whole reason why Trevor Booker's fit on this team has been pretty poor so far. He's clogging the paint for Joel. Any, Every objective of this team right now should be to build the best team around Joel. He has the potential to be the best player in the league. And if Markel can't shoot he is not part of that best team around. him. I mean,
3: one of the things told to me was that by the second or third day of training camp, the entire team had figured out they don't have to guard Marquel outside of ten feet. And uh-huh. if you have two two guards on the court at the same time, that's not going to work.
1: So it's just like the you know, it's just like anything else, look, like I, you're going to let T.J. Look, McConnell toss open a three. You know,
2: basketball players are smart. Like at, in the beginning, when a guy is coming into the league, they'll give him the benefit of the doubt and they'll close out now that especially now that his reputation is out and there's that, no that, point they've seen the tape they've seen the videos they've heard brian colangelo say the things he did all these reports are out there they're not going to respect him from any sort of distance they'll say hey good luck to you young man see what you can do from out there
1: i will say however trevor booker still more effective juliel Okafor and the nets <laughs> fans are waking up to that fact <laughs> over the last week let's go to david <laughs> in texas what's up david
7: hey how you doing good man all right, um, yeah, I just want to talk about Fultz. Um, sure. It's just a frustrating situation. I, I never really was uh, that high on Fultz. I mean, I thought it was a bad trade to give our rival um, a, a pick and uh, who's gonna, who were who going to be competing to try to get to the finals. And when they actually saw him, they had, they had him in for a workout and then they were okay with trading them. That should have been the red flag number one. I mean, they needed a guard. Um, they didn't take him. I mean, and uh, because they probably weren't sold on him, I thought that sickly could have stayed at three, and he would have fallen because the Celtics would have taken Tatum at one. Ball would have gone second, or even if we if he wasn't there, oh well. But it was just since there were like five or six, seven good players, it was everybody was close. They could have just stayed
2: at three, just... Yeah, I don't, I don't like nothing. playing the coulda, shoulda, woulda game, especially because, again, the Markel we see now is is not in any way, shape, or form the Markel we saw then. And look, if we based everything based on what people saw in a draft workout, a drafts would look a lot different than they do. Like, I mean, yeah. perfect example at the NFL Combine last year, John Ross runs an unbelievable 40. Fastest time. What did he contribute in the NFL no, this year? nothing. Nothing zero so if we were just concerned with what guys do in a limited combine or workout setting if that was all that mattered we'd live in a much different world but that's it'd be it's crazy to think like
3: that he was an incredible player last year he was an incredible player for
2: he got compared to Kyrie Irving who left LeBron and people called him crazy and then is leading a team that is 40 and 18 right now I believe so he was called the best guard prospect since Kyrie, and I think that was a very fair label.
1: Yeah, like the, I don't know, I I think a lot of people, I just got to say it, but there's so many people that are having that revisionist history. There is, I mean, everybody was excited the moment that happened. I remember dancing in that studio. Like there was, the reaction that we got was, oh my God, this is going to be a great team. He fit perfectly with what these guys were doing with specifically everything that we've talked about tonight, being able to have those jumpers, being able to go in and cut in the lane when you need them to, and being that third score that uh, the Sixers need. Let's end things tonight with Greg in Newtown. What's up, Greg?
0: What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me on. appreciate it. Look, I agree with you guys. I, I, I don't put them on the court just to see what happens. I think this team's in contention right now to make the playoffs. It's a critical part of the season. But Brown calls it the final third, you know, it's about to embark on. He's not looking to add. He's looking to tighten up his rotations. And I don't think, if they don't see him in practice uh, being able to contribute in any meaningful way to the team's uh, winning chances, I don't put him anywhere near that court. And, you know, right now it's really about uh, getting that dynamic, that chemistry, because basketball is a chemistry sport. Even though you got some X's and O's, it's really about flow. It's an ab and flow feeling the guys around you you know that's what basketball really is all about so I don't I don't like the sentiment of oh let's just see what happens you know whatever no man we're at a seventh seed right now and you know we're climbing the ladder and not, that's my opinion I, I full disclosure I was against the pick I was more of a Tatum Josh Jackson kind of guy mainly because I saw in them more of a of a drive I don't really care so much that he doesn't have a jump shot right now. I think a lot of guys coming into the league, especially when they're this young, you know, they're out of high school basically or a year removed when they go into the NBA, which is like five years removed from from elementary school. I mean, yeah. for crying out loud, you know what I mean? Like it takes a while. Jordan, the greatest player ever, didn't a lot of, a lot into of people, a
1: lot of people have to work on their shot when they when they come in. It takes a while to develop into that kind of mastery that we're all used to. Yeah. Uh, Gentlemen, I know we're, we're running out of time here. Uh, What happens uh, tomorrow night as uh, these guys take on the heat?
2: Uh, Let's hope they win. That'll sort of, I mean, this has, the winning has masked what is a really big story. If the team wasn't as good as it is, they would not be able to get away with this for so long. So for their sake, they should hope that they win. And I hope we continue to see a healthy Joel Embiid. Also, that do.
3: that EAJLES thing going on kind of helped mask things too. Yeah, that um, made
2: a little bit of difference.
3: <laughs> you know, I think they have a Why? chance. Why? What happened?
2: <laughs> I don't know who's, who's around. <laughs> I think
3: they have a chance tomorrow night. Miami's been struggling a little bit of late, uh, and the Sixers have been playing real well. They've been playing real well at home. They should have their full docket of players because they had today off. Uh, it's you know they could go into the break on a, a five-game winning streak. I think it would make eleven straight at the Wells Fargo Center, and that would put them five games ahead of five hundred. It's a real good spot to be in, even though we, uh, we spent the entire, entire hour on a negative topic. They're in a, they're in a real good spot.
1: Well, uh, if you wouldn't have uh, written some uh, incredible, uh, awesome, not awesome things, but just uh, reporting the truth. It's, it's a, all our no, it fault, is, John. It, is, it is really your, fault, your guys' fault. That's Kyle Newbeck. That was Derek Bodner from uh, The Athletic and, of course, Kyle over at the Philly Voice. Uh, Jody Mack is next. Thanks to Jack Fritz for producing. I'm John Barchard. This is Sports Radio 94 WIP. How powerful is Cox Internet?